That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. All right, preachers, we're almost there. Christmas is right around the corner. Advent 3. This is like the seventh inning stretch. This is Gaudete Sunday which means you put on your gaudiest clothes and you read about the architect Gaudi and uh, you look at pictures of that crazy cathedral in Barcelona. No, what is what is Gaudete? Rose candle Sunday, pink vestment Sunday. What is this Anglo-Catholic uh, foolishness? Well, I have no it's idea. Not, it's not. I have no idea because I'm a Christian. No, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I don't see Gaudete Sunday in my Bible. <laughs> Uh, never gets old. No, I think, uh, you know, you need to in these long stretches of penitence and then the long stretch of uh, darkness as we're moving into it. But the light is starting to shine brighter. You need something uh, to really rejoice. And so, um, and, uh, you know, and we rejoice in the fact that uh, his grace and mercy are bountiful and uh, they are speedy to help and deliver us. And so uh, we rejoice uh, in the midst of Advent, on this third Sunday of Advent, uh, we rejoice in the fact that he has not left us in the darkness, but he has come to deliver us from it. And uh, through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. But yeah, that's, right. um, it is, uh, that's what it's about. Yeah, it's, it's a Sunday where you get a little, a little break from the sort of heavy Advent tones, and uh, the First Thessalonians mm. reading begins so with the if word you're, rejoice. If you're yeah. into that, you wear pink vestments. If yeah, you're into rose, that. rose, yeah. and you know the, the 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 canticle for this Sunday traditionally instead of the psalm is the Magnificat, and this yeah. is where you actually do get uh, you know part of that Jesus birth narrative. Although people may not know it's that, but this is you know the words of Mary from Luke one, where she says, "My spirit rejoices." So again, all this in Latin, Gaudete, rejoice. That's what this Sunday is. It's also in England known as Stir Up Sunday because oh, this yeah. collect is the only collect in the prayer book. Collect, for those of you who don't know, it's not collect. It's not a collect call. It's not collecting something. Well, it kind of is. But it's called a collect, and it's a short prayer. And every every Sunday of the church year in the um, Episcopal tradition, has, or Anglican, has a collect, a prayer of the day. It does gather up and collect the, the ideas and the prayers of the people, the, the, the themes of that Sunday. But, so the colic for the third Sunday of Advent is the only one that does not begin by naming God. They always, except for third Sunday of Advent, begin with, O Lord, or O merciful God, or Almighty God. This one begins with a command. Stir up. Stir up your power, O Lord. So then they get to God's name. But it just has this urgency to it. And so in England, there's like this recipe, some sort of dessert you're supposed to make that involves much stirring. Yeah, I think it's like... to this collect. Isn't it like figgy pudding or something like that? I don't know. Some, you know, they call it puddings, but really that means dessert. Those English people, yeah. those silly anyway. English caniggets to quote the French knight in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So get to stirring, everybody. 
Stir up your power. It is a great collect. Uh, it's just, it's asking, it's like, please, 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 please help me now. This is an emergency. Uh, yeah. Paul Zoll always quotes that song by Foreigner, Urgent. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's there's an urgency about this. And, and man, we do need it. And as we get closer to uh, to Christmas, you know, this is Advent so, yeah. 3. So we, need, so we our, need that help. Our readings today are Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4, 8 through 11. And then we have 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verses 16 through 24, which uh, has uh, one of my favorite scriptures and B.B. Uh, Warfield's uh, favorite scripture, to be exact. Um, and then we have we have John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 and 19 through 28. Don't and bring so, up your Reformed Princeton scholars with me. This is an uh-huh. Episcopal podcast, Jake. <laughs> well, you know, they, you know, well, he's, he's right. I like B.B. Warfield. He's, he's our really brother good. in the Lord. It's all good. But he's a pretty darn good theologian, too. But anyway... Um, why don't we uh, begin, and we have this uh, wonderful passage that uh, actually Jesus preached his first sermon from, or maybe, uh, but in his hometown at least, in Nazareth, and uh, we have this uh, this powerful, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me, and he has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn, and provide those who mourn in Zion, to give them garland instead of ashes. Um, why, um, oftentimes I have so often heard this passage preached as folks over there. Uh, why is that to miss the point, dear Aaron Zimmerman? Well, Jacob Smith, I'm glad you asked. It is uh, supposed to remind us not of people over there that we have to go help the brokenhearted, the prisoners, the oppressed, although that is true. Yes, sure. But you need to hear this first as a word to you, uh, <laughs> and you, preacher, need to know it also. Not only is it a word for you, it is a word for your congregation, because they need to hear good news, uh, because they are oppressed. They need to be bound up, because they are brokenhearted. They need to hear about liberty, because they are captive. And they are prisoners to things they cannot control and need to be released. So, like all scripture, it doesn't have to be just one thing or the other. It mm-hmm. does not have to be about um, social justice work, although it is about that. It is also about the ways internally in which we are bound and yeah. prisoned and, yeah. and, and oppressed. So, it's, it's both those things. And I tell you, what people will need to hear, everybody in your congregation knows that part of the call of being a Christian is to serve those who need help. What they never hear anywhere except from your pulpit, hopefully, is that God has come also to free them and to bind (laughs) up their wounds and to forgive their sins and to give them the oil of gladness instead of mourning. So make sure you preach this to yourself because you need it now at the end of the year, you know, end of your finances, end of your stewardship, end of Christmas planning and this bleak Corona tide, all these things. Uh, You need it and your congregation does too. Absolutely. And you know, like going back to what you said, you know, there's there's the context and then there's the context. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that, you know, they were coming back to a devastated place. You know, they shall repair the ruined city, the devastation of many ge- generations. Um, you know, I love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. And, you know, and justice had been in, on one level in that context been met as they're coming home from con- uh from uh, exile, and uh, and he's still a just God, and but uh, the the idea here is also, you know, that he is uh, building up within us with this message of the gospel. Uh, he is building up the ancient ruins, 
and they shall raise up the former devastation. And that is going, if you interpret this through Genesis chapter 3, the devastation that has impacted the entire human race. And yeah. uh, God is raising up a whole, whole new city uh, through this good, this proclamation, because all of us are oppressed by something. All of us have been taken captive by some form of addiction. All of us are prisoners, you know, and we need to hear the year of the Lord's favor. Mm. And uh, the good news of the gospel for you, you dear listener, is that vengeance um, has been uh, mediated, but not on you. It's uh, been uh, it's been poured out on Jesus for you. Yeah. And so, therefore, um, you know, uh, the uh, the whole world looks upon the na- the nations, look on the offspring among the peoples, and all see them and shall acknowledge. They may not believe it, but they acknowledge uh, that indeed we are a people whom the Lord has blessed. Um, yep. And uh, you know, and we re- we rejoice greatly in these things because we've been clothed in the garments of salvation, uh, Jesus's righteousness. All of these things, I mean, just scream, scream, Jesus. Uh, it's yes. urgent. Yes, exactly. And I think, you know, the, the one little point I would make here is that in the beginning where it says um, to proclaim in verse 2, the year of the Lord's favor, that sounds like good news, and then mm-hmm. the day of vengeance of our God. That sounds like bad news. What is this whiplash I'm experiencing? But as you said, it's supposed to point to the, the way that Jesus deals with the... Um, the wrath of God, but it also is to point out here that, so when, when God takes vengeance, what that means is God sets at right the things that are unjust in the world. It means he restores justice. It means he, he, um, he roots out injustice and inequality in the world. And so, so when you hear the day of vengeance, um, uh, that, again, that sounds scary, but what that's, that's biblical language of saying God finally putting things at right that have been wrong for a very very long time mm-hmm. so uh the the final thing just i think you know i if i were preaching on this passage i would give lots of specific examples of being imprisoned of being yeah. oppressed of being brokenhearted and being uh, uh bound up and i think and and i would help that connect with the congregation yes uh the um the my always one of my favorite things is the um uh, dysfunctional family Christmas album from SNL in the '90s <laughs> with Dana Carvey, where yeah. um, there's the, something called the Carol of Intimacy. Leave me alone, please go away. I'm doing fine, just get away. Leave me alone, please go away. I'm doing fine, just. People are, this time of year have a lot of stuff going on, so make sure you speak uh, specifically and honestly to it, and then you know bring the oil of gladness i think um there's so much joy and rejoicing in this passage for gaudete sunday for rejoicing sunday um it's just dripping from this passage verse 10 i will greatly rejoice in the lord my whole being shall exult in my god clothe me with garments of salvation i mean it's just it's so stinking happy it's like katrina and the waves walking on sunshine and so i get you you really want to make sure people leave this sunday kind of feeling that good news or you know as much as the Spirit enables you to do so. Mm-hmm. Well, then that, that brings us to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which opens up with um, a big, loud, giant, rejoice always. What? Pray without Woo! ceasing. What? And give thanks in all circumstances, even in COVID. Uh, Use that this, high five emoji. Yeah, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, well, that is amazing. That is what God is doing uh, through you. It becomes the enabling word for you to rejoice always. 
pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, because in Christ that is your reality, uh, whether you recognize it or not. And that is kind of one of the big themes here um, in Paul's, um, Paul's theology of the end here, is that it's, we're in the midst of it as well. You know, you may be thinking you're in night, but, but, but the already has broken in. And uh, so we do rejoice always. We pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances. And I want to say a little bit about this particular passage, May the God of Peace Himself Sanctify You Entirely. Um, that was, and I mentioned that earlier, that was one of B.B. Warfield's favorite passages. And uh, part of that was is that uh, during his time, there was a lot of revivalism just kind of breaking out all over um, all over the United States, and uh, part, one of the fruits of this revivalism and kind of these uh, these awakenings was a real emphasis in holiness, and uh, which uh, led to um, almost a uh, semi-Pelagian, Pelagian view of sanctification. So it's oftentimes taught in American Christianity that justification is God's part, and sanctification is your part, or sanctification is you and God's part. And um, and B.B. Uh, Warfield wanted to like bring people back to the tenets of the Reformation. No, uh, you know, this we is don't partner with God. Part. Like he, and I so, control the gas; and, he controls the brake. Uh, you know, uh, he steers right; I steer. Like, you know, we both have our hands <laughs> in the steering wheel. Is that not that's not how it goes? No, that's right. Uh, Jesus, take the wheel. I mean, Jesus, Jesus, take the wheel. Is because I don't know if you follow on Instagram crime faces. Uh, don't. Uh, but it is it is hilarious, and it's uh, it's about these uh, like these like the, they take these terrible fights, and these guys with these heavy duty Bronx accents like comment over it. And there's one where uh, there's this big fight in uh, going on in like um, in Jamaica Queens, and the guy literally takes his car and he tries to like get out of the situation, but he winds up like driving right into a store. And uh, that's what happens. Uh, Jesus needs to take the wheel, not because I'm kind of veering to the left or right, but because I have driven the car into the store mm. and run over four people on the way. And so there is yeah, no such right. thing as partnership here. Um, and this is what we. This is why BB Warfield really loved this passage, and this is why it's still important today. And I say, you know, if you do try to sanctify yourself, if you try to take that work over from the Holy Spirit, you will make it as sinful as every other part of your life, in that you will become judgmental, self-righteous, uh, Pharisaical. And there's nothing to rejoice about. Yeah, and you will, you'll just be keeping score on yourself, which means you'll start keeping score on other people. Uh, the work of sanctification is the work of God, and it is the work of the Holy Spirit in you, and it is, as, as you've said many times, Jake, it is getting used to your justification, It's and it's something that happens. Like Jesus says, this, the farmer that's, that scatters the seed, and, you know, the farmer sleeps, and he wakes up, and he sleeps, and wakes up, and the seed just grows. Like he, the farmer doesn't know how it happens. That's kind of the biblical picture of sanctification. Here, it, this is what Paul is saying: God will sanctify you, um, and He will keep you sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it, just in case you didn't catch it, in verse twenty-four, the one who calls you is faithful, and He will do this. So it's a it's a it's a resounding affirmation of uh, of of what God will do. Yeah, his book entitled Sanctification literally has this scripture. B.B. Um, Warfield's book Sanctification literally has this scripture um, in the um, in the, like the opening pages. Which that's all. Yeah, that's all you need to know. Just don't even read the rest. No, you can't. Yeah, you can't. Absolutely. Stop there. All right, John Stop. one, uh, and you know people might think again we're in Advent three. We're going to begin to get some more Christmas readings other than the Magnificat. 
in the place of the psalm this Sunday. But nope, we do get into the New Testament, but it is not the Jesus baby story. It is John the Baptist uh, in his camel hair. And, and we sort of already had him last Sunday in Mark. So this is just different storyteller, but the same story. And we hear um, kind of the same themes. G- G- John is not the Messiah. We need someone else. And uh, as as John says, uh, you need someone who will who will comes after me because I can't solve your problems. So well, yeah, and yeah, this is and it begins right here um, with you know the introduction as to who John Saint John, not to be confused with Saint John the Baptist, uh, Saint John who wrote this gospel. Saint John the Evangelist. Letting us, yeah, is letting us know who who uh, John is, and uh, he's one clearly sent from God as a prophet, but he came to witness and testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. Uh, and how might they believe through him? Well, uh, John's job was to bring you to your knees, um, so that you would uh, see the one who's come to save you, the one we've come to rejoice in. Uh, and so, uh, and so, John is not the light, and so this begins to become the lens. Because what's happened here is the uh, folks from New York, the folks from the blue states, are uh, coming to um, find out who this guy John is. Because clearly crowds are coming. Yep. No one's coming. These are the, the mainline denomination folks are coming to see what's going on because no one's going to their services anymore. <laughs> and so, and they uh, they show up and uh, um, and they've sent priests, they've sent Levites, and uh, from the capital there, who are you? And this is a this is a very very important question, and this is the question that uh, you know needs to be asked in Isaiah. This is the question you know who are you? Well, um, gosh, you need to know who you are in order to understand who Christ is and all that He's done for mm-hmm. you. And uh, John understands that you know uh, I'm not the Messiah. And then they're like, well, then are you like a lot like who? What's going on here? And he says, no. Uh, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And uh, John knows exactly who he is. He's the one who's come to prepare the way for the Lord. Yeah. And uh, and who are you? You're not one who's in partnership with God, doing your best so God can do the rest. You are uh, one who also is oppressed, one who is in need. And uh, and uh, and this then opens you up to understand when uh, when the one whom John is pointing to shows up. Uh, you know who he is. You know that he's in your midst. Yeah, and I think it's important to note just that um, uh, the passage, as you said, Jake, says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And John is someone who's in the wilderness. He's someone who points out, meaning he sort of evokes not comfort and luxury and wealth, but but poverty and uh, and need. Uh, and he, um, he brings a message... Uh, that points out people's sin, and it's. I think it's just it's it's emblematic, and I think just kind of sets the tone for how God works in our lives and in the lives of your congregation. And I I guarantee you, I mean, part of this message is when you have something in your life that's making you realize that you don't have it all together. That is God working. That is not God abandoning you. That is God starting the advent in your own life. Uh, John, Uh. God always has to come first to get you ready in order to then 
bring the gospel. So you think about gardening, you got to clear out the weeds, you got to break up the soil, and that is sort of a painful removing work before you can then plant the seed. And this is what John is doing. So if you feel like there's something in your life, preacher, that is pointing, that, that <laughs> the vestry hates you, the congregation is not coming to online worship anymore, uh, you're depressed because you're not going to be able to sing songs for Christmas, you know, you, you didn't have a Thanksgiving, you're not going to have a big family after Christmas meal or whatever the whatever the things that are hard again what this what John the Baptist shows all of us is that this that God works in those places and and he's preparing you so if you feel like you're not enough if you feel like you're lacking something that's this is God getting you ready that is that is good and and I think that's a very powerful insight uh and uh John understands that mm-hmm. you know he's he's not there he's not like I'm here in partnership with God or anything like that I mean, he's literally, I've come to baptize with water. Yep. But uh, the one who's coming, it's not like we're in partnership. Um, I am unfit to tie his sandals. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, uh, this is a very, um, John understands that. And, uh, and it's in that understanding that John is powerfully used. Yeah. And uh, it's, in, it's, in the, it's in the understanding, understanding of your need as well that God will powerfully use you. Um, it's in that understanding, you know, that you can rejoice. Amen. And this also, this this Sunday, if the um, uh, prayer book and lectionary committee people ever needed a reason to not use the NRSV, um, it is this passage because of, it does use the word thong in verse 27, much to the um, delight of middle schoolers everywhere, and uh, makes this passage not a fun one to read for your lectors. Uh, so, uh, anyways, always have to... Find the it's levity. The thong, well, I yeah, know what it is. It's, it's a strap. It's a it's a thing. It's it's like your shoelaces, basically, is what John is saying. But uh, yeah, all that to say is that is that's not the important part of this passage. That's just me trying to, you know, have a little, uh, you know, humor before we. Uh, what what whatever happened to the thong song? <laughs> you know, we got a few minutes. <laughs> oh, do you remember that terrible, terrible, Lord terrible mercy. song? Oh. Yeah. 1998 spring break Man. that thong song so anyway um, well but uh gosh this is the uh well you can rejoice in the sense that we are done and uh you know and um i anything you want to say aaron pressing well i don't know that song i went to jesus camp i didn't go to spring break i don't know what you're talking about um, clearly the lord is needs to do more sanctification for you wait yeah clearly so you don't know about no the i song? do i do i'm just trying to cover you know don't want our listeners to lose their to, to have their already low opinion of us drop even further. Oh, it was Cisco. <laughs> there you go. Cisco and the thong song. Well, and clearly, I'm getting a word from the Lord that it's time to end this episode. Uh, preachers rejoice uh, because there is one, as John says, coming who's greater, who actually do and, will do the things well, that we need. Uh, hold on. Okay. Hold okay. on. I'm trying to land that, this plane, uh, and Jake. It's like a Rottweiler that, with a bone. Uh, that, came, that album came out in 1999. <laughs> it was his first solo debut Fact album. Fact-checking, well, good. We wanted any more. Um, but that album was called Unleash the Dragon. And uh, uh, dear listener, uh, unleash the gospel on your congregation that day so Woo! that uh, you can, uh, you can uh, give them the peace that they need and that they might uh, truly, truly rejoice. Oh, you rescued Gosh, us there. Gosh, I brought it Way back. Way to go, Jake. Just... And we still have eight minutes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think we've done enough for today. Yeah. Peace. All right. So remember Cisco, John the Baptist, and rejoice in the Lord always. I mean. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders.
Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.